Good morning. My name is Minu Kim, uh, the other new pastor here. Um, and today, uh, today's scripture comes from Book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named, named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a, name, a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And, he, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you and, your, and on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. The word of God for the people of God. Pastor Spencer uh, mentioned earlier, but when it comes to Christian faith or discipleship, I love to describe it as our lifelong journey. Being a Christian means being on a lifelong journey from point A to point B. We journey from darkness to light, from old life to new life, from being held captive in sin to being free in Christ. 
from brokenness to wholeness, from isolation to communion, from nothingness to God's presence. Again, as he mentioned, he's, he didn't read my uh, manuscript, but uh, he already talked about it. In our Methodist tradition, we call this movement from point A to point B, going on to the perfection, moving on to perfection. And this perfection does not mean flawlessness, but rather it means being in perfect union with God as fully restored, reconciled, and sanctified people. And this lifelong journey begins with repentance. To repent means to turn around. By the grace of God, we recognize that we are going towards the wrong direction, which is point B, point A. And it is also by the grace of God that we turn around and set our journey towards the destination where God waits us, waits for us with open arms, point B. This initial turning around marks the beginning of our faith journey, and we often celebrate it with baptism. And this faith journey, just like any other journeys, is full of ups and downs. And inevitably, we sometimes get lost, get stuck, or even backslide. But whether we walk through the green pastures beside still waters or through the valleys of the shadow of death, God is still with us. And it is Jesus Christ who calls us to follow him being both our exemplar and also our companion. And by God's design, this journey is meant to be walked together with one another. We are created in the image of God who is relational, who is being with. So thus us, we are also relational. We also be with the church is not a replica of our final destination, but it is rather a community, an imperfect community that commits to journeying with one another as one body. The church is an extension of God's message to the world that God is with us and you are not alone. Paul's story from today's scripture reading is one of the prime examples of how one turns around to walk this journey called Christian faith or discipleship. Paul, originally known as Saul, was the enemy of the early Christian church. He was so zealous in upholding righteousness through means of violence. And as we read in today's reading, the early church was called the way as Jesus is the way we call to follow. And Saul's mission was to go chase after those, the members of the way in Damascus, and to bring, back, bring them back to Jerusalem. We already heard a story on the road to Damascus. Saul, and Saul encountered the risen Lord, who introduced himself to Saul. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And upon this encounter, Saul lost his eyesight, becoming vulnerable. He could neither eat nor drink and became powerless. He was no longer a zealous, self-sufficient Saul, but an utterly helpless person 
who needed other people's help. The act of turning around, repentance is only possible when one is susceptible to change, when one opens, has the open, uh, wide open arms and broccoli broken for God to change us. And as Ms. Devin said, today's story is not only about Saul, but also about Ananias, a disciple in Damascus. He too received a vision from the Lord, being told to meet Saul and lay his hands on him so that Saul might regain his vision. But Ananias has already heard of Saul, heard of Saul many, many times, who was known infamously for his evil acts against Jesus' followers. How could God call him to go and meet this evil persecutor of the church who is also a very threat to his life? Yet the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen. See, Ananias represents the role of the church, a community that commits to journey with others despite the inconvenience and the potential risk that comes with it. In the end, being on a journey is to be adventurous, and no adventures are meant to be comfortable or risk-free. So Ananias made a short journey towards Saul in obedience. Imagine how terrified, how terrified Ananias was, yet he walked by faith. Imagine how frightened he was laying his hands on this notorious enemy of the church. Yet Ananias obeyed the Lord and called him my brother. Immediately Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit and his vision was regained. He was baptized, broke his fast, and regained his strength. And as we are likely familiar with, Saul became the Apostle Paul, becoming the very instrument of God in spreading the gospel to both Jews and Gentiles. And just like Ananias, Paul also took on this adventurous journey despite the potential danger and risk, inviting others to join him in this Christian discipleship, saying, follow my example as I follow the examples of Christ. And if you want to know more about Paul's life, join us at 3.30. I am almost, almost certain that all of us are here today because of someone else's willingness to invite us into this journey called Christian discipleship. We are all here today because of God's grace communicate, communicated through someone else's willingness to step out of their comfort zone. We all have Ananias in our lives, and we are also called to be Ananias to others. I suspect some of you here have some incredible stories, how figures like Ananias dram dramatically appeared into your lives out of nowhere. And I also suspect that some of you have stories like mine, where, whether, where it was our family who played the role of Ananias. See, I was born into a Christian home and baptized as an infant. 
But my household was, uh, was a bit different than any others at church. Uh, on my mother's side, my great-grandfather was a pastor, and my grandfather was a pastor. And funnily enough, my mother decided to marry a pastor, and that's where I was born. As a young child, uh, I never took this family lineage uh, uh, lightly because their stories were full of sacrifices and sufferings. Yet to my innocent eyes, their stories were also very, very appealing uh, because their stories were also filled with joy, love, and gratitude. My family, thankfully, never pressured me with faith or church. But surprisingly, it was the church people who broke my innocence. I mainly attended my grandfather's church as a preteen, and every Sunday, every Sunday, they would come, out to, come up to me with a grin, asking, so are you also going to be a pastor? So are you also going to be a pastor? Every single Sunday. For the longest time, my goal was to run away from the question, which meant I needed to run away from the church and also hide myself from the church people. I always had my bike parked right outside of the church so I can go home whenever I needed to. And I also wanted to run away from the pressure and expectation placed on that very question. Are you also going to be a pastor? I wanted to run away from the sacrifices and sufferings embedded in that very question. And ultimately, I wanted to run away from the fear of possible comparison, shortcomings, and failure. But my running away wasn't that rebellious or intense, especially as I started to attend my father's church as, as a middle schooler. I started to be drawn to many stories in the scripture, to my family's stories, and to the stories of many other saints I got to learn through my father. It was at a tiny church by the Jersey Shore with no youth group. But in that season, both my parents played the role of Ananias in my life. That's when I started to open my eyes to witness God's amazing work. Eventually, I felt this call to pastoral ministry. But I was still very reluctant and, in fact, fearful of this daring and peculiar adventure. It was as if I were being pulled from both sides, from both point A and from point B. I was stuck in this tension, not knowing what to do with my life. And I was hoping to find the happy medium between the two, being able to serve God's kingdom without facing the pressure or entering a life of sacrifice. Finding this happy medium became my ultimate goal during the college. Then I had my own Damascus Road moment. On my way back to college, I prayed throughout my 10-hour drive from here down to Atlanta. And in that long-winded prayer, I felt this courage that I never had before breaking into my body, the courage to stop running away from the question and confront the call that I had been avoiding for many, many years. And that small dose of courage, courage, not only warmed my heart strangely, as we Methodists say, 
but also move the needle that ultimately pushed me to explore the call to pastoral ministry. And I knew this courage was drawn not from my own self-confidence, but from the assurance that God is with me no matter what, even if I fail. God is with me, thus there is no reason to fear. God is with me, thus I will confront my biggest fear and follow the passion that God has placed in me. This is my call story uh, that happened 12 years ago. And during the past 12 years, both as a seminarian and as a pastor, I've often found myself still drawn to this idea of finding that sweet spot, that happy medium, and especially within the past two years when it became exceptionally challenging for all of us, including us pastors. In the, various, in the face of various challenges, trials, and tribulations, also as a new father and, all, and as a struggling church planter, I found myself asking the question once again, are you still going to be a pastor? But at the same time, I've also encountered many, many Ananias in my life, meeting them in places like schools, churches, hospitals, and conferences. And I am still continuously being shaped and reshaped under their guidance, their mentorship. And I wondered if this continued transformation, being shaped and reshaped, continually doubting myself, but also looking for God's confirmation. That continued transformation is what it means to walk this lifelong journey called Christian discipleship. This lifelong journey is meant to be adventurous, always on the move, always facing the unknown, and always being molded by the spirit of the living God. It is not meant to be comfortable, and it is not meant to be done alone. Rather, it is a daring adventure. We journey together as one body with Christ as the head. And we have been invited to this body thanks to many Ananias in our lives. I'm sure some of you, or most of you, are thinking about those Ananias in your lives at this moment, who took their risk so that we may witness the love of God. And my prayer, my prayer is that for us and us as St. Stephen's to also play the role of Ananias to many others, whether to our family or to strangers outside so that they may also taste the sweet, sweet grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.